Thank you. Well, good morning all. Oh, my voice has gone up, you see, because I haven't got a yellow jumper on. I deliberately didn't put my yellow sweater on today. I let John wear it this today. Um, a picture, please. Now, who recognises this? Don't shout out the name, but who recognises this young man who was pre when, when he didn't need razor blades? Anybody recognise him? Anybody know who it is? You know, don't, don't shout out. Anybody else know who? Anybody else know who it is? Yeah. Anybody don't know who it is? Over there, you don't know who it is. <laughs> you do know who it is. <laughs> this person here is standing with a Hoover. Hey. Come here, come here, Tim. Do you not see the resemblance? <laughs> eh? That's when he was young and handsome. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just thought I had to get my own back last because he put a photograph up on me last week. But uh, <laughs> um, but I just want to say I don't want to sort of belittle him. But what I would say is. To me, that photograph shows something about somebody's character. Because Tim is one of these people who is a servant. And he'll do anything if he can help somebody. And as young as he was in them, I'm not sure how old he were there, Tim, about 14, 15, 16, something like that. That's a carol service when we had to put plastic on the floor in the gym. Yeah. Um, he still had a, he had a servant heart then and he has a servant heart now. So uh, I just wanted to do that, to get my own back a bit on Tim putting a photograph of me up last week without asking my permission. <laughs> there we go. And, and apart from that, today I really shouldn't have done that because we're going to talk about holiness. Some of you might not think it was very holy for me to get revenge there on Tim. But we're going to talk about holiness. And uh, over the last few weeks, well, the last session really we've been looking at holy we've been looking and immersed in our studies in Leviticus now those of you who've read Leviticus perhaps you did it when you were you know when you read the Bible in a year and you just sort of raced through Leviticus because that's the only way you can do Leviticus is race through it because it's quite a hard book and you think what am I going to get out of this when I read it um, we've been looking at it in the immersed group and we found we had lots to talk about, uh, interesting things that we talked about uh, that came out of Leviticus. And um, the thing about Leviticus is some of the rules, you read them and you think, this was God giving his rules to the people. And you think, this is hard. I can't understand this. This just doesn't seem to make sense. Um, but in God's plan, it all makes sense and it has a purpose to it. Um, but then when you read it and you think, God was giving these rules to the children of Israel. If he was giving them to me now, could I actually deal with them? Could I cope with the rules that were set in place then? And I think the reality is we probably couldn't. We probably couldn't keep going to the tabernacle every time we did something wrong. We probably didn't have enough money to buy all the sacrifices that we would need to cover the things that we do wrong 
in our lives. But some of the verses that came out there talk about something else. They talk about God being holy. And in Leviticus, and just before that, when we read when there were instructions about the tabernacle being made, we were told that God told them to make this holy of holy place inside the tabernacle. So the tabernacle was holy, but inside the tabernacle where God was going to rest was the holy of holies. And that was because there was a holy God there. That's why it was holy. Seems logical really, doesn't it? So in Leviticus we read these words, For I am the Lord your God. Coming up there. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy for I am holy. And you shall not make yourselves unclean with any of the swarming things that swarm on the earth. For I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. Thus you shall be holy, for I am holy. Therefore, be holy. And in Leviticus 19, Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And again in Leviticus 20, Thus you are holy, be holy to me, for I am the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart, I have set you apart from the peoples to be mine. So just really some words there talking about the holiness of God. And I thought, well, I'll try and explain to you all this morning the holiness of God. And... Um, and, and I doubt even if our brother John could do it in less than half an hour uh, with his knowledge and wisdom. Um, and so what I've opted out for is I'm going to show you a little, uh, some captions, a little, uh, uh, somebody called the, the Bible Project have put together that explain in six minutes, 35 seconds to be exact, what holiness is and what God's holiness is. Uh, and he, uh, it explains in a much better and quicker way than I could ever do. So bear with it and just watch about how God is holy. I was analysing some of the truth in there, couldn't you? And uh, it's really encouraging. But I hope that gives you an idea of the holiness. And I really love that idea that they, they brought out of there, where um, normally if you touch something that was impure, that would, you would be affected by the impurity. But in God's world, when everything's the other way around, when we touch God, uh, when God touches things, they become clean rather than impure. So what does that mean to us all today, all, all of this this morning? Um, the reality is we could never ever have kept up with the rules and regulations in the Old, temple, uh, in the Old Testament. And so God had a better plan, and that better plan was Jesus. And Jesus came that each one of us could have that cleansing from sin that would make us be able to enter into God's presence. In 2 Corinthians it says, For he, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God to him. Now to be righteous means to be right with. And Jesus makes us right with God. That's what the word righteous means, to be made right with God. But you know there are steps to holiness. It doesn't just happen overnight. We don't just suddenly one day get up and be holy 
as God is holy, which is what we're encouraged to be. There's some steps, and we might look at them as the, the steps to becoming a Christian, as similar and follow the same pattern. First of all, there's a calling. People are called. People hear the word. They might be on the street and hear somebody talk about Jesus. A relative might talk about Jesus. We even hear in, in, in some Islamic countries where people are having Jesus dreams and wake up with a desire to find out more about Jesus. So they try and go to someone who they think might give them the information. So we have a calling. We have something that happens in our lives that says you need to find out more about Jesus. And, and often that's happened to most of us here who have had that experience. Something said to us, something called to us about Jesus. And then the word says that the way we're to repent. It also says we're to be baptized. But uh, repentance means to accept and to say to God, look God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done wrong. I know there's things in my life that shouldn't be there. And I want to change. I want to do something about it. And then repentance is usually followed by change because repentance without change is ineffective. It's like when we say to somebody, I'm going to be different, but we have no intentions of being any different. Or we go out and do the same thing again and again and again. We need to allow change. And as Colossians put it there, where when we allow change, we allow God to move into our lives. We allow the holiness of God to come through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, and change the imperfections in our lives to make us holy. Uh, we'll all strive. We'll never be, as I said earlier, as holy as God. But we all can strive to be there. We can all have an intention to be there. So this morning, I wonder, what things in your life are preventing this? Are you a bit stubborn? Are you just like hanging on to things that you think you want uh, are important in your life, but actually are not? Tim hinted a bit there, you know, about sometimes we can have that sort of covetousness where we think we're to be successful in life, we've got to have the latest car or the latest Apple phone or the latest iPad or the latest coat or the latest handbag or whatever it is. Uh, we can be stubborn and hang on to that instead of just say, look, God, what I have is yours and what you've got for us, uh, I'm happy to accept. What do you need to change in your life? If God's saying to you to be more holy, what sort of things uh, do you need to change? Perhaps you need to control your tongue a little bit more. I certainly do, because sometimes I say things, and it's that moment when you've said it, and you think, that was not the right thing to say. That was not holy, what I just said to someone. Maybe we need to control our tongues. How can we demonstrate the whole purpose is that we are called to be a different people. We're called to demonstrate a holy life to other people. And it's easy for us to look at other people and go, oh, you know, they're not living a very holy life. <laughs> I'm better than them. But actually, we should be looking at ourselves and saying, what is it in my life that isn't holy, that isn't good? So that's the first message really this morning is each one of us, if we're going to witness to other people, if we're going to witness to God that our lives have changed, we need to be holy. So we need to look at the things in our lives that are stopping us being holy, that 
and making us unholy. But there's another thing which really stood out to me this week uh, as I've been looking through this word, particularly about God's holiness. And here we have God, the creator of the world, who chooses to be amongst his people. And in the Old Testament, that meant his presence was in, first of all, the tabernacle, and then later in the temple. But in the New Testament, we see something different. We see that God, as it hinted in the uh, little clip we saw, God intends to be in the world, in us, as part of us. And so a holy God who created the world desires that we are holy because he wants to dwell amongst us. He wants to dwell with us. He wants to be here. We're told when Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the temple was torn asunder so that God's presence could come out and be amongst us. And that made me think, you know, we serve such a holy God, a God without sin, a God who is perfect, and yet a God who loves each one of us so much that he would send Jesus to the cross so he could buy us back by the sacrifice of his son. And it made me think, well, how do I reflect that in my worship? Am I worshiping? Now, if, if, if Sunderland had been playing, sorry, forget Sunderland, if I said, if Newcastle had been playing at home today, and uh, this morning, say, and Terry and John Pickstock came in, you would see from their faces that they'd won or they'd lost. Yeah? They'll be really full of joy and peace. We've won an amazing battle through Jesus. Can people see it in our faces? Somebody said to me, uh, oh sorry, I read somewhere, an old lady was, lived outside the church. And somebody said, have you never thought about going in there? And she said, have you seen their faces when they come out? <laughs> hey? It's true though, isn't it? Are we different? Are we set aside? Are we different? Are we so caught up that we can't worship the God who saved us? Sometimes there's more enthusiasm in football grounds than there is in churches when it comes to praise and adoration. So my challenge to myself this morning is, am I going to be more holy next week? I hope so. I'm going to try. Am I going to be more praising God who's done so much for us? I'm going to try and do that. What are you going to do? this next week are you going to be more holy are you people going to see that you have a love for God and he's, you want to praise him and worship him and everything you do every little act that you do is it going to be holy before God and before people around you let's pray together Oh, Father, we just want to thank you for your holiness we thank you that you are perfect because if you were imperfect you wouldn't be worth following. You're a God who's perfect, who has a perfect love for each one of us. And help us in our lives just to show that love to other people. Help us to adore you. Help us to praise you. Help us to be enthusiastic in our praise that others might see something of the joy that we have in you. I pray for each person here today, Lord. No matter how we're feeling when we come in, I pray that we'll go out with a smile and with enthusiasm on our face. In Jesus' name. 
We're going to have a time of praise now. It's a time where we can just express to God how much we love him and just say, thank you, God. It might mean some of you have to raise your hands. Apparently, raising your hands is good when you've got arthritis. It's good exercise, apparently. And clapping your hands, you know, movement is good. So let's be enthusiastic in our praise this morning.